to God. I would ask that everyone in the congregation tonight, can you come up and be in the first five pews? This side and that side. The first five pews. That's okay. You can stay there, Sister Dorcas. All right. There we go. It was just, well, I trust tonight I can talk to you a little bit about some of these mind-boggling things in the scripture. We live in a bad age. I was telling Jeremiah today that one of the things I dread for the future is that when I leave this world, when we are gone, when we pass out of the scene, myself, Chandri, Nadine, some of us older folks, and they have to face the world. It's a difficult, angry world that they'll have to face. And sometimes we feel that we have got a handle on God and we know exactly what God wants. But do we? The question is, do we really know what God wants? Do we really know what is the will of God? Uh, over in the book of Job, and the other thing I was planning to do tonight is not even open my Bible. Just talk to you. Uh, from my heart to your ears and your heart. In the book of Job, chapter 33, uh, when Job was going through his trial, today I listened uh, to a message, an older message, message, and I reposted it on Facebook, and it is titled, Giants in Your Land, 
giants in your land or giants in the land. And uh, a beautiful lesson. I listened to it, the complete lesson today. And it was when I was talking about how Israel went into the promised land. And uh, when God told them to eliminate all these Canaanites, that they left individuals, the tribes, various tribes left individuals in the land. And uh, it's surprising. You leave in your life that which will destroy you. Uh, it is sad when uh, you allow things like that to happen to you. The elders in Israel did that ever so often. I don't know if I can find that scripture, but let me see here. I got your finger in, I got your hand in Job, right? I think there's a scripture in, in Ezekiel. Let me, no, it might be Jeremiah. Let me just back up here where the Lord was, Jeremiah was saying in, I think, the seventh chapter of Jeremiah. Give me a minute here. I'm, I'm trying to be calm and, and just uh, talk to you here tonight. Um, uh, they, I want a scripture, Nadine, where the elders carry their own stumbling block. Uh, they carry their own stumbling block. It was um, uh, either Ezekiel or Jeremiah, where the elders of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 3. Um, I'm not sure if that's where I want, but Ezekiel chapter 3. I doubt whether that's a scripture I want. Let me see here. No. It's um, uh, where the elders, they carry the. Uh, men of Israel, the elders of Israel, carry their own stumbling block. Uh, there was a time when I wanted scripture, and before I could even... 14? Might be. Let's see. Let's see if this young preacher coming up here... Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. See, there we go. Ezekiel chapter 14, it says, Then certain of uh, the elders of Israel... Um, then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. And while they were sitting there, and that is why the prophets were never liked. Uh, the prophets never preached a, a comforting, entertaining gospel. They told people just like it, it is. And this past week I was thinking about myself and um, I told Jeremiah today, I said, I would say 90% of the ministers I know disagree with me 90% of the times. But I feel God has called me to do what I'm doing. And whether a man accept me today and don't accept me tomorrow, that's his problem. I do what I feel God has called me to do. And my calling goes all the way back to my childhood. And the miracles that accompanied my calling right here in Canada. And so a prophet that is called of God has to say what God places in his mouth. And uh, Ezekiel said, these men came and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart. Now it's one thing to have an idol, a literal idol in a corner of your house. And a lot of people have idols in their house, houses. Uh, you go to 
uh, some heathen homes and you'll see idols in a little corner. Uh, remember growing up we had neighbors that had little little rocks that they prayed to and um, all kinds of little stories you can see a statue somewhere you go into a Chinese restaurant and you can see um, uh, Confucius right uh, right there the chubby one is Confucius um, Buddha is a slim man Confucius is the you know pot belly guy but they have little idols but the most dangerous idol you can have is idols of the heart. Idols of the heart are dangerous because no one sees that, but it takes away your service to God and it focuses your service on individuals and the things and carnal things. And it says, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put a stumbling block of their false worship and iniquity, that is, before their face. Uh, should I be inquired at all um, by them? And so think about it. You carry, you, you stump your toe. Have you ever walked and stumped your toe? Well, how about carrying that which stumps your toe? You carry your own little stumbling block and you put it there and you walk and you stump your own toe on your own block. Well, a lot of us, we commit spiritual suicide. Uh, the things we carry are meant to destroy us and kill us. And so, uh, we're living in that age and that period of time where God would like to speak if we can just have ears to listen. And here in, in uh, Job, the 33rd chapter of Job, it says in verse 14, And Elihu uh, Job had three comforters that yapped, 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 yapped to the best of their ability. And they were trying to tell Job they were respectful until they heard Job speaking. And that is very important when God calls a man to the ministry. Be careful how you try to correct him. I'm talking to anyone listening to me. When God calls a man to the ministry and he's called of God, and you find a flaw or something there you might want to tell him, don't ever get so exalted and so egotistic that you want to tell a man of God what to do. Especially when it comes to the ministry. And um, it says here, and so if the three comforters did not really help Job, they aggravated him more than helping him. And then came, came a fourth comforter, uh, his name was Elihu, and he said here, he says, verse 14, God speak it once, and yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. It is sad if God is speaking, and I'm thinking every time I stand behind this pulpit, God is speaking. And if it was not for scripture and the history of scripture, uh, when you look at a congregation sparse on a Wednesday night and you see everyone shows up on a Saturday night or on a Sunday you wonder how much hypocrisy is in our midst and how many people would really be saved Jesus said when the Son of Man returns shall he find faith on the earth big question and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold and so God might speak and then he opened up verse 16 he speaks, verse 15, he speaks in a dream and in a vision of the night. 
when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed. Sometimes you're lying down and God uh, can give you a dream. Are you willing to open your the eyes, your spiritual eyes and your heart to find out what that dream uh, possibly mean? Uh, my life was always led by dreams, all kinds of dreams. And I, I planned that maybe before I die, I'll make a book and put all these dreams inside. Uh, you know, when I say make a book, I'm not talking about producing a book. I just make a notepad and put all my dreams inside because they led me and saved me from destruction many a times. Uh, they answered my questions many a times. And it says, God speak it like that, verse 16, and then he would open the ears of men and seal up their instruction that he might withdraw man from man's purpose and hide pride from man. The reason why God will deal with individuals is to save man from the evils that's in man's heart. And that tape I listened today talk about giants in your land. You got giants in your land. Uh, Israel was given a lot of giants. And so today when we're thinking about problems in the world, uh, we must understand that nothing happens without God's approval or God's authority. Uh, understand where we're going tonight. Nothing happens without God's approval or God's permission or God's authority. And he says here in verse, um, he keepeth back his soul from going down to the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. And so God will chasten him with pain upon his bed. A lot of times when you're going through a trial and something is on your body that God puts, he didn't put it there for you to just get flowers and attention from the people around you. When God is chastising you, it means that there's hypocrisy and evil in your life that God must eliminate. And if you're not listening, he will have to deal with you. It's better to fall on the rock than to have the rock fall on you. Because when you fall on the rock, you could be broken and pliable in the hands of God. But when the rock falls on you, it will crush you. Uh, it's, uh, it's always good to understand what God is saying. So when you're being chastised one way or the other, something negative is happening to you, always bear in mind that there is a God that allows things to happen. You know, simple things that uh, you might think I'm silly or I'm... Uh, too naive or I'm too gullible or I'm too oversensitive. Any one of these terms can be used. But if I'm sitting down one day and I decide to uh, take my vitamins and one fall on the ground, that day I wouldn't take that one. I will take it as an indication from God that today's this might be an over too much of a vitamin or something I'm taking. That's how I see it. Another devil can cause it to fall. I can be clumsy and cause it to fall. But not even a, a hair falls from the elect's head without God knowing it. A sparrow does not fall to the ground without God understanding it. And so these are things that we must understand that God speaks. Then over in the book of Lamentation, you have Jeremiah. And then you have the book of Lamentation. In Lamentation, the... A third chapter of Lamentation when Jeremiah is complaining about how God has led him into darkness. 
But they're saying, where are you going with all of this? I'm going with all of this because we're having things happening in the world that I don't have an answer for. Uh, you see, we're having uh, this war that's uh, transpiring. And um, we're thinking about it. Uh, the war is transpiring in Ukraine and Russia is there and one person is bombarding the other one. Kids are dying. I wish I had money to send to help the people that are suffering. But as we think about things like this and we do our own responsibility, that which God has given us to perform, I want you to understand how God operates. And if you put yourself in the Bible in periods of time, you'll be able to understand that there are things about God we will never in our human minds comprehend. And so Jeremiah here, he is a man of God. God sent him out into the ministry. God called the man, sent him out into the ministry. And the Lord told him he will be an iron pillar and brazen walls against the people and the kings and everybody in the land. But he was in a slime pit. People rejected him. It was not as beautiful as he thought it would be. And so poor Jeremiah when he was going through his own problems here, here's what this man of God said. He says, I'm a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He said, God is judging me with wrath. Now that's a strong statement. He is going through the problem, so he's allowed to speak. You don't point your finger and condemn him. And so he says here, in chapter three, verse one of Lamentation, he says, I'm the man that had seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He had led me and brought me into darkness and not into light. What a testimony. God is leading me into darkness. Now, you notice he didn't say the devil is. He says God is. You know, when you read the book of Job, the entire book of Job, chapter 1 and chapter 2, tells you about how the devil goes up to God and God questions the devil and said to the devil, have you tried my servant Job? God raised the subject. And the devil says, yeah, well, yes, you put a hedge around him, so that's why he's serving you. God says, now, here's what I'm going to do. I'll allow you to go and remove, I will remove the hedge and you go and try him again. And so the devil went, and before you know it, all that Job had was lost overnight. And if that was not enough, the second onslaught that the devil made on Job, he lost his family and everything the first time. Second time, boils all over his body. He was the most perfect individual that lived in that period of time. If you were a carnal saint living there, you see, tonight we're making time travel. We're going back and sitting down with those comforters and see this man. They call him a holy man. But he lost his family, lost his wealth. He's broke. He's bankrupt overnight. And you're sitting there with the comforters. What would you think? Um, hindsight would make you make a statement. But if you were there in reality, what would you think? What would you think of this man? Uh, that the devil has got him? Should he rebuke the devil? Job, not one single time he mentioned the devil. He understood that the devil was given, but he understood also that God would be, the devil could do nothing against him that God did not permit. 
And so here in Lamentations, the third chapter, uh, Jeremiah said, God has led me into darkness. And then he goes down here, he says in verse 4, um, verse 3, surely against me stern, he stern his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old and had broken my bones. Uh, this is what he said. He said in verse 7, he had hedged me about that I cannot get out. He got me in a corner here. This God I'm serving got me in a corner. Jeremiah is saying that. And then by the time he complained and complained and complained, there is a fire shut up in his bones that you could not remove. He complained and complained and God listened to him. And your complaining does not change the will of God. God has to do what God has to do whether you complain or you don't complain. And when all of that, he starts to praise God. He says, verse 22, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not completely gone, because his compassion faileth not. Uh, verse 24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait on him. Same man that complained in verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3 and coming all the way down to verse 8, is praising God in verse uh, 22 and 23 and 24 and 25. And then he makes a statement here in verse 41, uh, no, 37. He says in verse 37, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commanded it not? Is there anybody, is Putin or America or England or anybody can say anything and it come to pass when the Lord commanded it not? See, it is important that we understand these things. It is important that we understand uh, when I look back in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, turn back with me. We've got a few minutes here. We can mess around. Uh, in the book of Joshua, and Moses had died, and Moses was gone out of the way. And so here was Joshua. He was left to uh, lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua was a good man. But when we put ourselves, make this time travel trip back there, traveling, putting ourselves and we are watching. Okay, we are Gospel Assembly CNN. We're the news media watching this man and see what he's doing. And here in chapter, in chapter uh, 6, uh, the Lord sent Joshua uh, to go into Jericho. And I won't read the whole chapter, but I'll tell you what it says. And the Lord told Joshua to let the priests uh, go before them, and they should have seven trumpets of ram's horn. I have one of that downstairs in this office down here, a ram's horn um, trumpet. And... Um, he says, let seven priests with seven trumpets go before you. And the first day, this is an evil city called Jericho. He says, when you go around that city one time for seven days, and on the seventh day, uh, you, let the, you go around seven times, and let the priests all blow their trumpets, and the wall will fall. Right? And when all of that happened, they give it a great shout, and the walls fell. The Lord told Joshua, he says, you go into that city, verse 17, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that therein to the Lord, 
Only Rahab, the harlot, you'll save. You save one person's life. The Lord says you're going in to uh, launch an attack on Jericho and you'll save one harlot's life because she hid the spies. Remember uh, the story of the spies? Because she hid the messengers we sent. And verse 21, and they shall utterly, uh, your soldiers, in verse 21, shall utterly destroy all that was in the city. You're standing there with your CNN camera and you're watching. And you're seeing Joshua, the man of God, marching into Jericho under the commands of the Lord. And he was told to destroy all that was in the city. Only the hypocrites kill. No, he says both man and woman, young and old, and even the animals, the ox and the sheep and the ass with the edge of the sword. So Joshua was told to go on in and destroy this, this, um, this city, everything one that was in there. In verse 18, he says that if any man among yourself from the he says and and you in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest you make yourselves accursed he says when you go in there and you see uh, things around don't pocket something and says you're going to keep it for souvenir he says it's a curse you take of the accursed and you know the story of Achan how he hid a Babylonish garment in his tent uh, like some people that are Christians and hiding ungodly clothes in their uh, Chester jars and you know like home keep it for when you want a backslide uh, Listen God judges people for the accursed thing a Babylonish garment Was the style and fashion of a kind of a city that God will destroy and we'll talk about Babylon before the service comes to an end but you're standing there and you see all the people the old men the young men the young women the old women the kids all are slaughtered and the animals are slaughtered and when Joshua was done he would be praised for accomplishing what God wanted him to accomplish and it's one of many stories in the Bible there was another king that the Lord sent and this was King Saul when the Lord sent King Saul uh, here in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, Samuel came up to King Saul, who was king over Israel, and he said, the Lord wants to judge Amalek. Okay, Joshua destroyed Jericho, but the Lord is sending Saul to judge Amalek. And sometimes you sit back and you can't want, you start to wonder why. Now, I've studied a lot. My method of studying it's not with encyclopedias or commentaries. I study straight Bible. I read my Bible and I let myself get inspired. And from experiences in my own life, I know why everyone had to be destroyed. I know. It is such a tricky subject that I can't even preach that. But I know why they had to be destroyed. The seed was bad. That which was in there was already perverted. They will never be saved. The seed was bad. And that's a strong statement I'm making. Well, uh, the Lord is sending Saul. He says, Amalek was against me. 
in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. And the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto me and hear the words of the Lord. Samuel is telling Saul, King Saul. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid in wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now you go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, spare them not, but slay both men and woman, infant and suckling child, breastfeeding kids, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkeys, asses. Now here you are again. Are you with me on this travel, time travel trip? With your CNN, Gospel Assembly CNN camera? I hear to use CNN, commission to find another name. But you're sitting there and you're reporting this. What will be your report? You see, sometimes we see and we make a judgment. And if you see someone that need help, <clears throat> you ought to help them. If you can afford to help the people in Ukraine, and you can send some help, help them. But remember, never try God. Never put God on trial because nothing happens in this world that God is not aware of and he has not ordained. When God raises up a king, God has done that. And so uh, when Samuel, when Saul was sent and Saul went and when Saul started to fight the people and destroy them, he saw the fat cattle and uh, some stuff and he saw the king and he was maybe friend with the king. So he said to Agag the king, he says, I'm going to spare your life. And sometimes we feel we compromise the will of God and God does not see. Never compromise the will of God. He sees. That's right. And that is why every day you need to repent to God and say, God, if I've done something wrong, help me and forgive me. If I've said anything or I've thought evil of someone, please forgive me this day as I forgive those that trespass against me. Every single day. And so Saul went and he spared the flock and he spared everything else. And so when all of that was done... It says um, he had to destroy <clears throat> Samuel. The Lord raised up Samuel and Samuel went. And I'm going to tell you this to save on time. And so Samuel went to visit Saul. And you know when you're a hypocrite, you are a hypocrite. And Saul says, praise the Lord, brother Samuel. I've done all that the Lord told me to do. No, you did not. And Samuel said, you did? How come I'm hearing sheep bleating? And cow bellowing. How come? And then Samuel looked, Saul looked at Samuel and he says, Well, it's because, you know, I spared King Agag. He's a good buddy friend of mine. I spared him. It's like when you compromise your Christianity to accommodate your ungodly family. So you lose your testimony. I go with people that are not saved. I go and visit family sometimes that are not saved. I never compromise my salvation. When I came to Canada in the early days, 
and we have invite family to come across and visit with us. Everybody that will come on here will bring a bottle of wine. That's a Canadian thing. You come for dinner, bring a bottle of booze, of wine or something. Well, my family, after one year of coming to visit me, they know that they should not bring wine. Bring a cake. Bring some flowers. Bring some chocolates. Don't bring booze. You don't compromise your position to accommodate the ungodly. Saul did that, and when he finally did that, Samuel came and confronted him. And Samuel said to him, he says, you have done this in verse 22. Samuel said, had the Lord, he said, oh, he said he saved the cattle and the fat, uh, uh, the fatted animals to make sacrifice unto the Lord. And so in verse 22, Samuel said unto him, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So, well, I'm making a sacrifice, you know, brother saying, No, live for God is better than the sacrifice. Godly lifestyle is better than all the sacrifice. He says, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. God has rejected you from being king. And that was the start of Saul's decline. His kingdom started to go downward. And there were things that this, this man that was almost ready to backslide did in this last days that I respect. We don't have time to talk about that tonight because we are CNN, right? We are, we are in, the, in the past now judging. We finished with Joshua, how he killed those four people in Jericho. Now we're coming to Saul, how he killed the people. And who told them to do that? God did. Well, we're coming to a different person now, and I want you to turn to, with me to the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, <clears throat> uh, there is a classic example here. In Daniel, <clears throat> the, uh, the second chapter of Daniel uh, is a king that the Bible is talking about. And we'll talk a little bit be about Neb before we close the service off tonight. And Nebuchadnezzar... Chapter 2, verse 1, a man had dreams, and his spirit always troubled him. And the first dream that he had, he dreamt about this big statue, that um, a great image of, with a, a head of gold. Uh, ch chapter 2 and verse uh, 31, and the, when Daniel is telling him, he had a dream and he forgot what he dreamt. This was it, the bad thing. Now you listen to me, we're talking about Neb. He had a dream and forgot what he dreamt. So he called his wise men and he says, If y'all can't tell me what I dreamt, I'll kill y'all. But you dreamt. <laughs> but he says, you got to tell me you're a wise man. You see, and it's good to challenge individuals like that because sometimes we do that in church. That's we said, the spirit is here today and join the line for prayer and we break your neck to heal your foot. 
and your foot did not get healed, but your neck got sprained. You know, I'm quoting something that actually happened in this church. I had a visiting preacher one time here, and uh, I love the man, but he's, you know, he came on in, and uh, one of the girls came up for prayer, and stood up there, she had a problem in her foot. And when he was done on her head, she had problems with her neck and her foot. A lot of times we monkey around in the house of God and we're not honest enough to own up with what's there. And Nebuchadnezzar, he had this dream and he was going to kill all these men, but Daniel came on the scene and Daniel told him what his dream was. He said in verse 31, we dreamt this great image. Verse 32, the head was of fine gold and the brass and the arms and the belly and the ties were of uh, the belly and ties of brass. He says, and the legs of iron and the feet, part of iron and part of clay. And he told him about this statue, and I'm not going into the prophetic aspect of this dream, but in verse 38, and whatsoever the children of men dwell, he says here, he's talking to the king, he says, this is the dream, verse 36. And we will tell the interpretation thereof, O king, therefore the king to the king, Thou, O king, art this king of kings. What a, you just stand up there and you're King Nebuchadnezzar and somebody's telling you, listen, you're the king of kings. Uh, for God of heaven had given a kingdom, uh, given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. He says, God has given you this power. And God has given you the strength and his glory. Whosoever, wheresoever the churn of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, and, and all of that, he says, verse, last part of that verse, he says, Thou art this head of gold. You know, sometimes when you boast about who you are, if it flies into your head, it's best you didn't say it. Well, you know, Brother John, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I came out of Babylon and I'm the part of the body of Christ. If that's inflating my ego, don't say it. Because that's, you're already defeating the purpose. If you're defeating yourself by making yourself something when you're not, that's bad. Sometimes it's best you don't know. Then you know and it flies to your head. But guess what? This flight, this flew right into King Nebuchadnezzar's head. And the next thing you know, I'm the head of gold. Here, soldiers, man, build me a statue of gold. What do you think he was building? Something to represent him. He says, and I want all these musicians come and when they sung the music, I want everyone to bow down and worship this statue. You see already, he was to be the head of gold, but he was playing all mud at that point in time. Or he was tarnished and gold full of alloys. And so when he heard that, it flew up to his head and old Neb wanted to build that statue of gold and had everyone worship it. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when he said, and who don't worship this? Throw them in this furnace with fire. You know the story, the boys, Hebrew boys, did not bow down and worship the statue. And when he saw that, his heart started to break. And he realized that he should not have built this statue of gold. 
He was jumping the gun. He was to be the head of gold, but after process was to be done in his life. And sometimes God is wanting to make something out of you, but you get in the way and God has to move you out of the way in order to accomplish his plan. He is going to be the head of gold. But the, the, the alloys and the gunk in his life, spiritually speaking, had to be removed. And you know, when it was all over, during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, prior to his having this dream and this vision, and Daniel being there, how do you think Daniel got there? Let's take our trip. Daniel got into the kingdom of Babylon because Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. God's people were in rebellion and so Nebuchadnezzar was raised up to go down and besiege Jerusalem. Jerusalem was besieged three times. And the temple was destroyed. And the vessels from the temple, God's holy vessels, taken to Babylon together with the princes. And that's how Daniel was in, in Babylon. Now, if you were sitting there and you see the Jewish temple, this king called Nebuchadnezzar coming down, this pagan king coming and besieging Jerusalem, destroying it, what would you think? Well, hold your finger in that chapter there and uh, let me come back here to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, the uh, 25th chapter of Jeremiah, I hear a few verses. I'll just touch the verses. You can read the whole thing when you go home. Let's take these notes. In Jeremiah, the 30, uh, 25th chapter, uh, the Lord says in verse 9, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Whoops. Was he saved? No. But God uses methods and uses people to accomplish his work. And this pagan king that came down and besieged Jerusalem, God called him my servant. Because God wanted to chastise his people. And when you open your life to ridicule and sin. And the devil comes in and afflicts you. Because you have removed the covering of God. Don't rebuke the devil. Ask God to cleanse you of your sin. And rebuke your own rebelliousness. The devil is just being used. To accomplish the will of God. When the Lord told Peter, he says, Satan desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I prayed, not for Satan not to sift you, but that during the sifting your faith will not fail. Nebuchadnezzar was the servant of God, not like me. I'm a servant of God preaching the word of God. He was this ungodly man that God used to chastise his people and take them into captivity. Not for one year, not for two years, not for 10 years, not for 30 years, not for 40 years, for 70 years. And then in chapter 
27. If you didn't get it the first time, you thought that was a mistake. In chapter 27, verse 6, the Lord says, And I will give all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant. And the beast of the field have I also given to him. That's what Daniel is telling him. That this promise that God made, God give you that, buddy. You didn't get it of your own sort. God gave you. Chapter 43 of Jeremiah. In chapter 43, uh, the Lord keep on saying the same thing. Uh, he said here in 43, if my pages can come loose right. He says in verse 10, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who? My servant. And I will set his throne upon these stones that I have hid and You'll spread a royal pavilion over him, etc., etc., etc. So back here in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar was the servant of God. And he was to be the head of gold, just like you and I are striving to be in the bride of Christ. You ain't going to be there full of yourself and full of the world and full of a carnal nature. You would only be there if God purges you like he's about to do this head of gold that is not really pure gold, but God is going to burn the dross. And so when he started to boast himself, he had another dream. And when he had this other dream, he was, he was like me. I had dreams and dreams and dreams. And he told Daniel about this next dream, and Daniel told him the interpretation. And to make a long story short here, which we are trying to do, we're talking about Neb. Everybody say Neb. You see, I love Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, what a man. And so he, he knows that God said he's going to be the head of gold. And so he had this other dream. And he asked Daniel, what shall I do? And Daniel told him, you know, he had this dream about this big tree. Uh, that when the watchers were there and all the animals, all this tree that he saw. Uh, with all the birds of the air flocking underneath and the animals coming uh, to find refuge. And then he saw a watcher came and pulled that tree out. Only the stump was left. He says, what does it mean, Daniel? And Daniel says, you're this great king. And the Lord is going to move all of these branches out. And you'd be left. Now you're giving people, you're this great king God has raised up. But your spirit is in the way, buddy. And, and you've got to do something about it. And he says to Daniel, what shall I do? Verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted unto thee. Break off your sins by righteousness. You're talking to the king. Yes. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If you want to remain mentally stable. It will be the lengthening of your tranquility. Otherwise, you'll go nuts. And when Daniel, by the time Daniel was finished, it says at the end of 12 months, verse 29, when the king walked over, he says, so, so we so easily listen to the word of God, and by the time the service is over, we forget what God was saying. And so after 12 months, not even a year go by, he walked in there and he remember how he organized the building of the temple. And he says, it's not this great Babylon that I have built. Verse 30. By my power and for the honor of my majesty. And that is why I would not want to get anything in my life that makes me exalted and inflated. 
I pray that God would never take me through that. And so Daniel told him he did not listen. And immediately from the time he said that, O Nebuchadnezzar, a voice came from heaven, says, O Nebuchadnezzar, verse 31, thy kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be among the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen seven times, that seven years shall pass over thee until you know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. See, Putin can't do anything that God doesn't want him to do. I mean, he might be evil, but I ask myself, what did the Ukrainians do somewhere in their life? Why are they suffering? There's things that I don't know, but God knows. He never errs in judgment, Job said. Never errs in judgment. The Almighty will never pervert judgment. And so Nebuchadnezzar went into the field and he started to eat grass like an ox. Verse 33. Same hour was the thing fulfilled unto Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven and did eat grass as an ox. And can you imagine this great king? He's to be the head of gold. You think Manasseh had problem? Talk to Neb. And that's the plan that God has. When you're pampering yourself in this life, you will be a servant in the future. When you're a servant in this life, you can be qualified to sit on the throne. Don't lift yourself. Don't exalt yourself. Don't pamper yourself. The altar might be discipleship that is demanded of you. That's the altar, yourself. The best gift you can give to God is yourself. Not your money. Not the things that you possess. Yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow the Lord. That's the best thing that you can do. And so it says here, and he went there and his, his hair grow like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. And seven years passed and it says, and Nebuchadnezzar speaking, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes. How long did it take you to break from your proud, arrogant attitude? You see, listen to me, children of God. When you're going through a chastening and a trial and a testing and things are not going good, don't argue. Don't find therapists. Don't find doctor to help you. If you're a child of God, God is taking you through the process. Bend to his will, not to yours. Don't find an escape route. No, he's going to bring you back to the same spot. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he had enough sense to know that he was time to him to accept. You see, God, you did not put one nail in that building. I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. God says, I give you. My friends, there's nothing that you accomplish in life that God has not allowed you to accomplish. And some has been there to destroy you and some to make you grow in God. And he says... I lifted up mine eyes unto the heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth, God the Father doeth whatsoever according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none, nobody, not a single politician, not a single soul 
none can stay his hand or say unto him, what are you doing? At the end, and the same time, when he, when he came to this position, his reasoning returned unto him for the glory of his kingdom. My honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and lords sought after me, and I was established in my kingdom, reestablished in my kingdom, that is, with excellent majesty that was added unto me. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, head of gold, now I'm Nebuchadnezzar, finally the head of gold that learns to praise God because he could, was only the head of gold because God made him that way. Amen. Don't let ego and personal ambition and that which destroyed the devil work in your life to destroy you. He says, and I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. May God give us understanding. May God help us to think like God. May we develop the mind of the Father right in our forehead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for another night where we can look at object lessons in the Bible and we can want to make radical conclusion. Father, help us to think like you would have us think. Help us, O oh God, to accept when you're judging mankind that there's nothing we should condemn and criticize you for because, God, you do it all things right. You never will pervert judgment. We thank you, Father, for being such a wonderful Lord and Savior, and we pray that you'll continue to deal with our lives. Help us to understand your will and plan. We pray for individual suffering tonight that you would help them also, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.